last several weeks, and we're calling this series Bloom, uh, in this springtime as pollen is flying all around, and we felt like it was a really good uh, time to talk about things blooming. And we've been talking about the fact that God wants us to live a flourishing life. God does not want us just to live a get-by kind of life. God wants to li- us to live a more than enough and overcoming abundant life. Amen? Amen. Come on now. Amen? Amen? That's the kind of life we want to live. So we've been spending some time over the past several weeks talking about this. We ended last week with this passage in Matthew 7 and 16. Now, I want you to get ready. I'm going to read a good bit of scripture today. So I don't want you to hyperventilate, okay? Okay, stay with me. Because I know some of you, if I read more than a couple of texts, you're like, whew, I don't know if I can keep coming back here. But stay with me, all right? Because it's going to be really, really good for you. Matthew 7 and 16 says this. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Verse 20, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. What do you call a tree that produces apples? An orange tree, right? No? What do you call an ap- a tree that produces apples? So why do we call a person that does bad things a good person? Why do we make excuses for bad behavior and say they're not that bad? Uh Uh-oh, now I'm going to meddling right off the bat, right? Why do we give them excuses and say, you know, it's okay. What they do is not that bad. Let me ask you this question. If you walked up to an apple tree and it had hundreds of apples and then suddenly there was just an orange sitting there, let me encourage you to run as fast as you can because that's some horticulturally gone wrong. Horticulturally? Horticulturalism. Horticulturality? None of them? None of them. Somebody's been messing around with that tree, right? Don't, don't eat it. Run as fast as you can. But for some reason, we are in relationships with people and we put up with the behavior or we see the behavior before we get into relationship to them and we say, well, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Let me tell you, once you get into a relationship with them, if you think you're going to help it by marrying them, you're not. It's going to get worse. Just felt like I dropped that bomb just right off the top. How many married folks, your problems got better after you got married? No, they magnified. Because you're on your best behavior before you get married. And then suddenly, well, I got her. I'll just let everything go, you know. It's not how it works. So I'm helping some of you, right? That's not the point of the message. It's not a relationship message, but I felt like this was good for someone. Lord, give me discerning of spirit. You don't need discerning of spirits. Look at their actions. Look at what they're doing. Look at what's going on. Don't, you don't even have to ask for that gift of the spirit right away. Just look at what they're doing, and it will tell you a lot about the kind of person that they are. So likewise, here's the flip side of that. If I do bad things, how can I be considered a good person? Uh Uh-oh. If you do bad things, 
How can you be considered a good person? And so this message has gotten depressing right off the bat, hasn't it? Because what you're doing probably right now is thinking about all the bad stuff you did this week. Or maybe the bad stuff you did this morning. You begin to think about that. So I want to help you out with that, all right? How many like me to help you out? Like literally, let me pull you out of depression, okay? I'm going to help you up out of that pit that I put you in. I'm watching the Masters right now. No, like literally, I'm watching the Masters right now. Like, so if I seem a little distracted, that's tiger, tiger, tiger. I'll put it away. I'm watching the Masters right now, and when the pros do something dumb, and by something dumb, I mean something that I've done, okay? Like the other day, or yesterday, one of the great players got up and got ready to hit his ball, took a practice swing, and just hit the ball right into the woods. I have done that on multiple occasions, except not into the woods, into friends, okay? (laughs) That are no longer friends anymore. I've done that. That's been a part. I've done that before. So when I see them do that, there's a part of me that knows that may cost them millions of dollars. If they chunk a shot or hit it to the right too far, and I go, oh, man. But then there's a part of me that's like, yes. Because it makes me feel better about my mess, you know? I can just say, Dustin Johnson did that the other day. It's okay. I'm all right with it. So let me help you out with that. Because I want to look at the Apostle Paul. Everybody say the Apostle Paul. I mean, if anybody's got it together, right? I mean, most of the New Testament is written by him. I want us to look at him and let him give us a little dialogue about the thing we've just been discussing. What makes a good person good? What makes a bad person bad? Romans 7 and 21. Paul said this. I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. (laughs) Isn't that a good principle in life? You thought he was going to tell you something great, right? He said, I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. And here we go. How many have ever said these words? Oh, what a miserable person I am. Just raise your hand. If you've said that about making a dumb mistake, the rest of y'all never ever said that before, right? You have no conviction in your life whatsoever. You know what I'm talking about. You're doing everything you know to do, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you do the dumbest thing that you said you would never do again. And you go, I am the dumbest human being in the world. I am the most blessed human being in the world. Why would I do something so stupid? And put so much at risk by doing that. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And some of you are like, I thought you were going to pull me up out of the depression. Listen to me. This is the Apostle Paul. Remember what I'm talking about. It's like seeing the, the, the best golfer in the world do something dumb. This is the Apostle Paul saying, when I try to do good, I can't do it. I may feel a little bit better about yourself right now. But then he doesn't stop there. He keeps on writing. And thank God Paul keeps on writing. Amen? 
He says in the next verse, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. And here comes one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Bible, Romans 8 and 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Look at your neighbor and say, It is not hopeless. It is hopeful. Listen to me. You do not have to die because of your sin. Matter of fact, you don't even have to be controlled by your sin because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And as we sit here on Palm Sunday where they celebrated the goodness of God and they said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Little did they know how blessed he really was. And the fact that just a few days later, he was going to shed his blood for their sins. The very ones that are going to, they say Hosanna, are going to say crucify. And yet he would say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I believe that he's looking at you today saying the exact same thing. So you don't feel hopeless. You should feel hopeful. Paul goes on talking about this war. In Galatians 5, another one of my favorite passages of Scripture. If you've been here for very long, you learn I only preach from a few passages, okay? Because they're my favorites. That's just a joke, kind of a joke. But I do always find myself back in Galatians 5 and Romans 8 and Romans 12 and, and John 15 because I believe these are passages of Scripture that every believer should master. And they're so packed with revelation and inspiration and information that help us live an overcoming life. Paul talks about this war in Galatians again. Are y'all still with me? You ready? Am I going too fast? Am I going too slow? (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. Could you speed it up? Masters are on, all right? (laughs) So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite with what the sinful nature wants. Watch this. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So in other words, there's a war going on in you. Every single minute of every single day. I heard my my grandmother tell this story. My great-grandmother was full-blooded Cherokee Indian. Indian. And, uh, and so my dad has, uh, many of his relatives are either full or, or half Cherokee Indian. And, and I remember my grandmother telling this story. Many of you probably have heard this story. And I forget what the context was, but uh, she was probably getting on to me about something. But she said, she said there, was a, there was an Indian chief that told a young, a young brave one day, Son, there are two dogs that are fighting inside of you. There's a good dog and a bad dog. They're always fighting, continually warring. And the young brave said, well, which one will win? And he said, whichever one you feed the most. So there's always inside of us this war that's going on. I want to do good. That's the part of you, that's the spirit that says, come on, we can do this. You can live an overcoming life. You can do good things. But then there's the flesh that says, I want to do everything that benefits me right here, right now. 
I want gratification. I want, I want notoriety. I want fame. I want her. I want him. I want that. Give me, give me, give me, give me. And the spirit is looking to the unseen and thinking to the future and thinking about eternity. And there's this war. And the one who wins is the one that you feed the most, the one you give the most attention to. And I'll tell you this, the one who wins is going to be the one that produces the fruit in your life. Whichever side of you wins, that's the fruit that is going to be produced in your life. Paul goes on in Galatians 5 and 19. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. I would say that's pretty black and white, isn't it? And a matter of fact, if you ever want to know those things that will keep you from entering the kingdom of God, I have a list, okay? I literally put it together. How many were here when I showed you that list? And, and I, what I found out is I was on there about 16 times, all right? <laughs> Isn't it amazing when you start off with sexual, sexual immorality, it gets on there, it starts outbursts of anger. Oh, man, selfish ambition. Oh, oh. And what you find is that it's all in here. And so we've got to find a way to... To, to bring this part of our life down so that this part of our life can flourish and grow and produce the fruit. Because what I call all of this stuff is flesh fruit. Everybody say flesh fruit. So when you're leaning into the flesh, you're allowing the flesh to control your life, you produce flesh fruit. You're selfish. You're angry. You're bitter. You're upset. You're impatient. You want to have sex with the wrong people at the wrong times. It's just the way it is. That's all flesh fruit. Everybody say flesh fruit. fruit. Look at what John 3, 6 says. Really, really powerful, powerful revelation. If you can get this revelation, there where Jesus talking to Nicodemus. And sometimes this scripture gets lost in that entire uh, discussion. But this is a great passage of scripture that is a spiritual revelation. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. I do not care how hard you work at it. Your flesh is only going to produce more flesh. No matter how hard you work, no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you try to get ahead, no matter how hard you hustle and grind, if it's you, you're just going to produce more you. And how many would agree that's a bad thing? The world does not need more me, okay? Because I've seen what me can do to me. Write that down. That's, I need to remember that for the next. I mean, I've seen what you can do to you and what you can do to others. So why do we work so hard to try to replicate ourselves, to live vicariously through our children so that they are more like us? God, no. Flesh produces flesh. Spirit produces spirit. Apples produce apples. Oranges produce oranges. Thorns produce thorns. That's how God created in the beginning. He said every single tree, every plant is going to have a seed in that plant. And that seed will replicate itself. It's the same with us. 
So if all you're doing is focusing on your flesh, you're just creating more flesh. But if you can ever change your mindset to begin to focus on the Spirit and allow the Spirit of God to have control in your life, you're going to start seeing the fruit of the Spirit. You're going to start replicating the Spirit in your life. Amen. That was kind of a golf clap, slightly. Come on, I need a tiger roar. Come on, let me hear that. There you go. But the Spirit produces the things of the Spirit. Flesh produces the things of the flesh. Spirit produces the things of the Spirit. Look, Galatians 5.22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Man, look at the difference in those two fruit. Outburst of anger. Self-control. It's not even a a decision. Why would we even lean the other way? It's because we keep feeding this flesh, this side. Feeding, 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 feeding. Focusing, focusing, focusing. I want us today to move to this side. I want us to become a church that's focusing and thinking and praying and believing for the things of the Spirit. And then Paul gives us the formula for producing fruit. Or I call it the fruit formula, right? If you're taking notes, just write that down. Here's the fruit formula. How many want it? I want to know how to have spiritual fruit in my life because I can tell you how to produce flesh fruit. That's easy, okay? That happens right away. That don't take time at all, okay? Just listen to the flesh, and you're just going to see the fruit popping up everywhere. However, spiritual fruit takes a little longer because flesh fruit is thorns and thistles, right? Can't eat it. Can't live off of it. There's no nutrients in it. It'll kill you. But spiritual fruit, come on, it's good for you. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's good for you. But anything good takes, come on, everybody. You didn't want to say it, but go ahead and say it. Anything good takes time. So many people get discouraged because they, start, they give their life to God and they don't, they're not walking in peace every day. And they're not loving their enemy, much less loving their neighbor or their wife or their kids. It's just not happening. And they, they get frustrated. Well, this is not working. You've got to give it some time. You gotta let the hut of culturality work, okay? <laughs> let me give you the fruit formula. How do I produce how do I produce fruit in my life? He tells us, bring it back up for me, Galatians uh, five and twenty-four. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. The first step in the fruit formula is you gotta kill your flesh. You have to crucify yourself. You have to embrace Jesus and his cross. He said, if you want to follow me, you've got to lay down your life. You have to pick up your cross and then follow me. A lot of people just want to jump into the following me. Can I just click follow and that's all? I follow Jesus. No. <laughs> Two steps before that. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. 
follow me. What is he saying? How many have ever been around someone that's, that, that have suffered so they want you to suffer? You know what I mean? Like, I got to put a dime in the meter. You got to put a dime in the meter too. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying because I had to have a cross, you got to have a cross. He wants us to embrace the cross. He wants us, there's an old song that says, and I will cherish the old rugged cross. Let me remember that one. Till my trophies at last I lay down. Come on, y'all. And I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Isn't that a different feeling, clinging to the cross? Because we run from pain. And yet he says, take the cross. Let it be a part of your life. Why would he say that? Because he knows before we can ever have spiritual fruit in our life, the first thing we've got to do is to die. How do I do that? You give him everything. You hand it over to him. Look what it says. It's still up there for me. Thank you. They've nailed their passions and their desires to the cross. I am taking every dream that I have, the passions that I have, the desires that I have, and I am nailing them to the cross. And ladies and gentlemen, that cannot just be a one-time affair. That's got to be something you get up every single day and you do. That's why Paul said, I die daily. Every day I wake up and I die to myself. I say to me, you're not going to control this day anymore. I know you're grumpy. I know you're tired. I know somebody did you wrong, but you're not going to control this day anymore. And you take some time and you put some nails into the hands of those desires. You put some nails into the feet of those passions that you have. You crucify them there. And not just the big things. I want to encourage you to nail the little things of that cross as well. How many have found out that sometimes it's the little things that spoil the big things? Song of Solomon says this, it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. It's those little things that we don't think about. Oh, that's no big deal. That's just a habit. That's just a mindset. That's just a personality. No, no, it's those little things. How many ever had a relationship ruined because of little things that you didn't deal with? I want to encourage you every single day, make, make a list of those big things and those little things. And in your devotion time, say, Lord, I'm taking that attitude. I'm taking that dream that I have, and I'm nailing it to the cross. It is no longer mine. It's gone. So how do I have, the, what's the fruit formula? Number one, you've got to kill the flesh. Secondly, he says in verse 25, since we are living in the Spirit. Secondly, you've got to live in the Spirit. You can't just have death. There's got to be some resurrection. We would not be following Jesus if he just died for us. You hear what I'm saying? Without him resurrecting, there is no life for any of us. His death was not enough. There had to be some resurrection. So that's why it sometimes worries me, people, that all they're concerned about is the letter of the law and religiosity. And doing things by truth and doing things, it concerns me a little bit because the Bible says the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So if all you're ever doing is just dying and dying and dying, but there's no resurrection, then you're not walking in the fullness of what God has for you. Romans 8, I told you I was going to get to Romans 8, didn't I? 
Romans 8 and 11, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. That's not just talking about on that great resurrection morning. That's talking about every single morning when you get up and you crucify your flesh. The next thing that's supposed to happen is the Spirit that is in you should quicken your mortal bodies. And then you're walking through the day in a spirit-led life. Watch, it says it goes on. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Listen, here we go. For those who are led by the spirit are the children of God. Those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. How many of you want to be a child of God? Don't want to be an orphan anymore. How do I become a child of God? Get a seat at the table. You got to be a spirit-led person. Led by the spirit. So the fruit formula is this. Kill the flesh. Live in the spirit. Secondly, look at Galatians 5.25. We just read it, but I want to read it again. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. How do I see spiritual fruit in my life? Crucify your flesh. Live in the spirit. Walk in the Spirit. You know, it's, it's possible to be alive, but not walking, right? We all know someone that's alive, but they're not walking. They can't walk, either by injury or, or by birth or, or by old age or whatever it is. It's just this thing that they, they can't walk. And I see it so many times in Christianity. People that are alive in the Spirit, they're breathing, their brain's working, their heart is beating, but they're not walking in the Spirit. They're not living a spirit-led life. And so because of that, they're not seeing the fruit that they want to see in their life. I want to encourage you, if you are alive in the spirit, to start walking in the spirit. One translation says, let us keep in step with the spirit. That means this, to walk in military formation. That's what the original Greek means in this, to walk in military formation. So whenever the spirit says go, I go. When the spirit says stop, I stop. When he says about face, I about face. That's what I'm talking about. Some of you don't know how to live that kind of life. I want to encourage you to get around some of our people in our church that know how to live that kind of life. Get up under their wing and say, I want you to teach me how to hear the Holy Spirit. I want you to teach me how to flow in the Holy Spirit to live a Holy Spirit life. How many want more of that in your life? And I'm going to be teaching on it more over this summer about how to really move in the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit can direct your life. We're going to be talking more about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our life. But if you will just commit to these three things, crucify your flesh, be resurrected in the Holy Spirit, and then do your best to walk in the Spirit, then you're going to see the Holy Spirit start producing fruit in your life. Look at this. Let's just jump back to Galatians 5.22. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your life. And then he goes on and lists that. Everybody say produces. I want you to hear this. It's very important that you get this because we could leave today and you could have some, some, some stuff. Hopefully you've got some stuff that's going to help you this week. But if you miss this, then you're going to be frustrated. So all of those fruit that we've listed, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith, all of those nine fruit of the Spirit, they all have start with this sentence right here. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit 
in our lives. You don't produce it. It's Holy Spirit produced. You can't do it. You can't be good enough. Matter of fact, you've got to get out of the way. Listen to me. The fruit of the Spirit is not, let me give you an example. It's not, it's not your joy on steroids, okay? How many have some joy, right? You have some joy. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is not your joy hopped up on steroids. When we say the peace, that's not your peace on Xanax, okay? You understand? It's not. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. It's the Holy Spirit's joy. It's the Holy Spirit's peace. It's the Holy Spirit's love. How much love does God have? I'm not talking about your love. Forget your love. This is his love. So this is how you can love an enemy that has persecuted you and, and, and beat you down and lied on you. And that's why some of you can love an ex. And you're like, how? And people look at you and go, how are you doing this? I'm not, baby. It's the Holy Spirit doing it. It's why you can walk through the toughest time of your life, and yet there's a joy in you. You can have peace at the most tumultuous times of your life. That's not your peace. That's his peace. That's why you can be long-suffering. That's why you can be temperate and patient. I mean, come on. How patient is God? I mean, we're still here today. <laughs> that shows you how patient he is. Right? We woke up this morning and weren't obliterated. God is patient. <laughs> he wants to give you that patience. Not yours. His. And look what happens when the Spirit begins to produce the fruit in your life. Back to John 15 and 8. And when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. So a fruitful life shows people that we're his disciples. I would argue that we're not really disciples until we have fruit in our life. What did did it just say? When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. How many want to be a true disciple? Then you need much fruit. Not fruit, much fruit. And what I said last week, fruit that hangs around. God wants fruit, much fruit, and fruit that remains. Okay, that's when you're a true disciple. So that's what fruit does. It, it lets you know, okay, I'm a true disciple. You ever wondered if you're a true disciple? You don't have to wonder. Is the fruit happening in your life? And if it is, then you're a true disciple. And then the next thing it says is that fruit brings great glory to my Father. A fruitful life gives God glory. And then this is the point. Isn't this the Isn't this the point of our entire life? So here's where you'll get in trouble if if you think that peace is about you. If you think the fruit of the Spirit is there just to make you more peaceful. It's not about you. If you think that the fruit of the Spirit is supposed to be in your life just to make your life easier, it's not about us. The fruit in my life is supposed to give God glory. Now, many times you and I will say, well, I want my gift to give God glory, my talent, my ability. How many ever said that? Some of you are like, I ain't got none. I wanted to give God glory for my voice, and he's like, you can keep it. That's all right. You're bad. 
But don't we usually say, right? If, I, if we, we use our gift to make money, I want to give God glory this. Or singing, give God glory. Raising a great family, whatever my talent is. He's like, I don't, okay, that's awesome. But I don't really get glory from your gift. I get glory from your fruit. I want to see what you've done with what I've given you. And when fruit is produced by your singing or by your brilliance or by your drive or whatever is that gift that you have, when fruit is produced, that's when God gets glory. Because the scripture says they'll look and see your good deeds and they'll glorify God who's in heaven. Come on, let's change our mindset. This is not a Christmas tree. You don't judge it by its gifts. You judge it by its fruit. So great that you're gifted. Are you being fruitful? Or you don't feel like you're gifted. You can be fruitful. And the great thing about it is all you got to do to be fruitful is kill your flesh. Crucify your flesh. Commit to resurrection in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and just let it start happening. And then give God glory for all of it. I want to pray for you today. Come on, I want us to live a flourishing life. I want to see the hills flourishing in every area of our life. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, financially. I want to see miracles, signs, and wonders. I, I I want to see coming out of this church the greatest songs ever written, the greatest books. The greatest strategies for business and education and, and relationships. And I want to see us transform this city. I want to see all that stuff. I believe for it. I pray for it. That God gives us kingdom centers all over this city to do what God's called us to do. But first and foremost, I want to be a people that are walking in the abundance of the fruit of the Spirit. The grace of God. The, the presence of God. So, Lord, we lay our lives down today, our dreams and our passions and our wants and our desires. We lay them down today. We want more of you in our life. We want to see fruit everywhere we go. Good deeds. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How many of you would make a commitment today that this week, for the next seven days as we lead up to Easter, that you're going to make a morning, a morning tradition to wake up, crucify your flesh, ask Jesus to resurrect you by his Holy Spirit, and do everything you can to walk in the Spirit all day long. Would you raise your hand? Just make that commitment. That's me. I'm going after it today. Man, no telling what's going to happen come Easter. Yeah. All right. Put your hand down. I want to give you an opportunity today. If you've never started a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you've never laid your life down for the first time, and today you want to do that, You want to ask Jesus to resurrect you and give you new life? We call them fresh starts around here because that's exactly what you get. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment by believing in your heart and praying a prayer. And maybe there's those here today that you need to recommit your life to Jesus. 
And when I said fresh start, you're like, man, that's it. That's what I want right there. Fresh start. If that's you today, if you want to give your life to Jesus for the very first time on this beautiful April Sunday, or if you want to make a recommitment, would you right where you are just raise your hand up really high and just say, I want today to make a fresh start with Jesus on this beautiful spring day. Just raise your hand up high. I'm believing for it today. I want to step in the newness of life with him. In Jesus' name. All right, I want everybody to open your eyes and let's stand today. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Amen. I want to remind you, uh, before you leave, as you leave today, make sure that you take a little time and go out by our graphic. You only got one Sunday because you show up next Sunday. It's already going to be hanging up on a nice frame there. So when you leave today, make sure you take what is that thing, that, that good thing, right? the goodness of God. Maybe it's a one word or a couple of words. We don't need you writing a paragraph, all right? We got more people. So write it down. You want to put your name? Can you put their name by it too? Yeah, put your name by it if you want to. Or you can keep it anonymous as well. Thank you so much for being here today. Raise your right hand. I want to pray over you. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your death, your burial, your resurrection. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I receive you today as my Messiah, as my King. Forgive me of my sins. Cover me with your blood. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And help me to live an overcoming, abundant, Spirit-led everlasting life with you in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, everybody shout amen today. Amen. Amen.